This episode is brought to you by ABC. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. Andy finally becomes captain, and she's going to give it her all to be the best leader this station has ever seen. Will she succeed? Get ready for fiery new romances and high adrenaline rescues. Watch the Station 19 season premiere tonight at a new time, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Today's show is sponsored by MeUndies. Get 20% off your first pair and free shipping by going to MeUndies.com slash badchristian. You are now entering the Bad Christian Podcast. Three, two, one, it's the Bad Christian Pool. Oh no, Toby's circular breathing, he's caught in a loop. He's going to be doing this for 45 minutes. Oh, he broke out. Thank you, Matt, for saying that. I didn't know what was happening to me when you said circular breathing. It got me out of the loop. So, uh, Joey, just so you know, Toby and I have a thing where we talk about how you beatbox longer than you should. Yeah, blah 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 blah, blah, and how it, and how blah, it gets blah, on our nerves. Blah. Uh, anyway, Toby, what's going on, my friend? Uh, just living the dream here in Franklin, Tennessee, my friend. <laughs> uh, just you know, just trying to keep keep my head above water. What is that mm-hmm. dream, by the way? What kind of dream are you living out, my friend? Um, well, uh, I want to be a professional. <laughs> just that. I've never been one in my life, and I think it'd be a great opportunity in my 40s to become one. Aren't you so, a professional? Like, go straight. You're a no. professional musician and podcaster. Yeah, you are. I don't. I wouldn't call myself professional. Uh, you make you money from it. it that, seasoned, that's the definition. Professional is you seasoned, make money from it. I, d- I barely do it. Okay. I'm not like you. I don't. I don't. I don't get big fat checks every. What you get paid? What every week or every two weeks? I'd love to see that. I bet that thing's heavy when you get a check. No, All it's, them zeros? it's direct deposit. They oh, don't do man. checks anymore. They treat you nice when you walk up in that bank. You you high clientele. <laughs> Dude, I'll tell you what. The first time I ever got a professional check, my first year of teaching back in 1999. I can't believe I, can't believe I started on the 19. Shit. That sounds such a long time yeah. ago. But basically, at the Rock Hill School District, you only get 12 checks for the whole year. So I go to work. For one week, it was a teacher's work day, but at the end of that week, it happened to fall on payday. So I get a check in the mail thinking that it was for a week, but it was for the whole month. And I was like, oh my gosh, it was like almost a lottery because it was one twelfth of my salary. I went to school the next day and I was like, is this a mistake or is this what I get paid? (laughs) And they were like, ah, you get 12 of those, so... Well, y'all catch me in a, in a in a mixed mood, man. I'm in a good mood because I've been in down in Chico working on the Emory record for this uh, Ooh. for this new Emory record all week. I was Hell there yeah. for four or five days, and Toby just sounded feeling. like uh, he made a, a sexual reaction to that. Mm. You I talked guess. about the and mm. you talked about the Emory record, and Toby went, mm. "It's the Pentecostal in me." Okay, <laughs> sex, sex, Pentecostal. All right, but it's uh, it's crazy because to, to you know to, it's uh, this thing of where Spit it I out. haven't done the music. I've been so doing, like, I, we do music in bursts, but you can't do music. I don't do it week to week. I'm not playing yeah. guitar or writing or arranging in any given week. So to get down there, the idea was to, instead of trying to do it at nights here in my studio, is to go down there where Chris, our other guitar player is, and have Dave come in and just finish shit all at once, turn the phone off, hang out in Chico, 
not do any podcasts, not do any business, not answer any emails. And I'm, I just can't, I just can't get over how easy and fun and nice and the way life is supposed to be. Without a phone? Me, yeah. It, well, so I'm, I'm very pumped on the, the music. Like I was like, oh yeah. my gosh. You know, me and Chris and Dave are adults who know right. how to play music well and communicate. Doing yeah. it was so satisfying on that level. I, I I keep forgetting how much I like music and actually ha- am good at it, or or at least I can make the sounds. I can do music in the way that I can get stuff to sound the way I want it to, easier than I ever could in the past. And it's so satisfying. And I forget because I don't do music week to week. So that's part of why I was big on it. And but it's so insane to not be disturbed or have the phone or a kid. No I mean, part family. of it is really just attention. I'm not just going to bash the phone here. I'm saying the attentional aspect of having a family or kids is that you're about to be interrupted at any minute, including on the last podcast. Georgia walks in here and gives me this. I had to give her a kiss in the middle of the last podcast when I'm <laughs> supposed to be working. Anyway, the kids and the family, multiple kids, and the way we use our phones is so distracting for people like me who can work if I just get into something, I'll do it for 14 or 15 hours in a row and never even feel like taking a break to like eat, you know, right. and that is so productive and I don't ever do it. And so it makes me really think my relationship with, I can't control the part about the family. Like I almost just dropped Dave off at the airport and just sent him up here to Seattle and stayed at Chico. Cause I was like, man, I just want to stay another week. But, um, it, you can't do anything about the family part. Like, that's fine. Like, I understand that I'm interrupted by them and they have needs and all that shit. I'm fine with that. But I really do have to figure out this thing about the, the phone. Like, I, I had to admit, I don't feel addicted to it or yeah. like I'm not, I'm not feel like the, the hot mental addiction to it or, or compulsion. But I know for a fact that it's really harming my abilities to make things and create things and live a full life. And I don't even even really Damn. like it that much. So I don't know. I don't know if anybody, if y'all have if y'all have any plans or rules or ways you think you that are, would be effective for that because it's just obviously would be better off if I had a phone for only four hours a day. I'm one hundred percent addicted. Without it. I mean, I'm I'm addicted to my phone more than probably anything, and I do try to put limits on it and stuff like that. But I always can convince myself, well, I'm doing some work or I got to respond mm-hmm. here on Facebook or, well, this person wrote me and I put it off last week. So, you know, there's always something you can do. I mean, we are constantly getting notifications and messages and it's just, it's just so much and mm-hmm. there's almost no way to shut it off. I don't know how I, sometimes I wonder, can I go back? And I, this was the first time ever a few months ago that I did not upgrade to a new phone. I at least did that. I was like, I, I wanted to get that at, what is it, the 10 or the iPhone X or whatever. I was like, that sounds so cool. And I went there, and they were telling me the price, and I could have afforded it, but it, my, the money would have went up just even just a little bit. I was like, nah, I just can't. What is wrong with me? Is yeah. this thing, Is it how much money am I putting into this thing? And I, I do worry, like, my kids, are they seeing their dad always looking at a screen or something? It's okay mm-hmm. some, but I, the amount, I, I do, it, I'm not worried about it because I think everybody, we are kind of a screen generation now, but I do wonder... Like, what is that effect? Like, you're exactly right. When I put away my phone, leave it downstairs or whatever, and go up to the studio, I get a lot more shit done. It's just way better. Way better. I mean, it's just, I mean, it's a real concern. I don't know. I mean, I know there's things I'm going to enforce, but if anybody has any real strategies or apps, I'm collecting, I'm going to collect some information on it, make some decisions. I'm going to redo my schedule anyway. So I'm going to be open-minded and admit that my phone is a problem for me in a way that at least opportunity cost or something. Because you got to do deep thinking on some stuff. 
And yeah. deep thinking sometimes yeah. for me it takes uninterrupted times. I can't yeah. get back, jump back and forth kind of thing. Joey's so and addicted I, he even chose a church to work at that the pastor's on the screen. He can't yeah. stand it. It's just screen, in, screen. in real life. Exactly. Was, it bothers him if it's in now, real life. I was so addicted. I seriously, when I got home from work and being on digital devices all day, I had to leave like my phone in the garage so that yep. it was just in a completely different room i mean i you know how empty inside i feel when i'm sitting on the toilet without my phone i'll never forget oh, this guy <laughs> this woman wanted to borrow my phone to take some pictures and i i you know i didn't want to i didn't want to be a jerk but she she started walking away with it and i, I if i would have rethought that i would have been like hey, hey, hey i i want my phone i thought you're gonna take a picture right here so i'm seriously waiting for her and i have to use the bathroom and in order to get my phone to have it on the toilet, almost shat my pants. Like I'm just like I can't go into there without my phone. It'll be so boring, it and I ended boring. up having to do it. And I resented that woman for it. Mm-hmm. I, so I, it was really funny. The other day, somehow I ended up that way, and I was like, I, I resorted back to when I was like ten or eleven. I just read stuff like bottles, back of bottles, yeah, shampoo <laughs> and, bottles. You yeah, read it, it's a super old magazine, like home <laughs> home decor magazine from. I mean, even four, even five home, years ago. even homeless people have. Have uh, cell phones. In fact, I I uh, I called a so there's this woman that she eh, I don't even think you could say she goes to our church. She she says that she does, but she came to a Christmas party and she wasn't. It was for volunteers, and I, I knew she wasn't a volunteer, but I was like, hey, come on in, won't you? You know, get something to eat and all that stuff. And I think she's popped in and out of a small group like twice in the last year, but. Some of our folks, which I'm happy about, they've been trying to help her. She's living out of her car in the Walmart uh, shopping center. So she yesterday she was calling the church over and over and over and over and over. And uh, I was planning on calling her, but I, I just didn't want to feel like I was on call for her because she would have taken advantage of it. So I finally called her back, and I'm in this conversation with her. And I said, look, for, for the church, for, for like you to get money from Seacoast, there's definitely a paper trail. We have to, you have to fill out, you know, an application and we have to process it. There's a a team that meets about it. And uh, she said, why, why won't the church just help me? And I said, I said, okay. I was like, look, I understand. I said, I I don't understand what you're going through. I said, I don't want to pretend like I can relate to living out of a, a car, but I, I said, I actually do care about you. I said, but why would you say that the church hasn't helped you? I was like, someone from our church gave you $500 and put you in a hotel. I said, I know also that one of our small group leaders came to your car this morning, gave you a $20 bill in a hot breakfast. I said, but you're saying the church didn't help you out. She said, well, yeah, the those are people. <laughs> she said, why won't the church help? And I was like, I felt like I was going back to the ABCs of church. I was like, well, I mean, the church is the people. Open the door. Here's the steeple. There's all the right. people, the sort of thing. Uh, but it, it really is one of those tough situations because one thing that people overlook when it comes, you know, you can argue all you want whether or not the church should be a big corporation like they are, and that's a different situ- uh, That's a different conversation. But the fact that they already are the IRS, they are they crack down on churches big time, and that's a, that's that's a good thing. But we actually do have to be, you know, super careful with how we track money, how we do money, and all that sort of thing. And you know, she just could not understand that. 
But what, where I have a hard time, what I have a really hard time with is of all the people that we should help if Jesus didn't make it more clear, that's the sort of person that we need to help. And yet, from an organizational standpoint, I can't just take a Seacoast check and write out a check and give it to her. And, and to finish the story, I finally got to the point where I said, look, I will put you up in a hotel. I said, I will do that. And she said, I... I don't, I don't want to be in a hotel. You know, that's a waste of money. That's seventy dollars. Uh, you know, and I said, "What do you, what do you want then?" And she said, "I don't want anything from you people." And she hung up. Since she has apologized and she has gotten into a shelter that she was on the waiting list for. But what, what do y'all think about that? Because here, here's another, here's another outlet of all that. Maybe this is what we should focus on on a Sunday morning. Churches like ours, we are geared towards. Um, you know, seekers or seeker friendly. So someone, you know, it's it especially in the South, if you feel really bad about the weekend or you're going through a divorce, one solution can be going to the uh, Google and typing in churches and, and showing up on church on a Sunday morning. That's what ge- well, that's what things are geared towards are those people, people that want to be a part of church and everything. So a homeless person comes and starts asking people for money, that's a problem. And uh, and I'm saying that from the church's perspective, that's a problem because we aren't set up to help those people on a Sunday morning. That's what you do on a Monday. And so it's just like all this red tape, because you're a bigger organization, you have to do things different, differently, and it seems like well, you're just supposed to help I, these people. Can I just say the obvious, what's kind of obvious about this? I know. You guys don't think we should help poor people at all. Go ahead. No, look, this I is... Know, I mean, this is kidding. This does strike me as relatively obvious in a, I mean, not, I'm not trying to speak from any point of compassion or justification or nothing, but it seems kind of obvious that what you're saying is true. Like, obviously, you can't just be the place where you give away money or you wouldn't exist, whatever, right? Right. But it obviously points to the problem of, oh, yeah, well, the church is the thing that's supposed to help people, but it's not, and it's not good at it. Right. You, what you're saying is it. there's no real good way to do it Get with that organization, and I right. agree. The church ain't really good at that, and it's not really what it's set up for. It's not set up to do that. And That's that, not, it's, that, I'm just saying it. that is not the goal of church. Right. The goal of church is if you just look at the people's behavior, I say they all eat pepperoni pizza, and I'm right. Nobody ate supreme pizza. I, anybody can think they're doing whatever they want, but you can tell by their actions, and the church— the big churches, the stuff. I mean, they are set up as a very, very insular, self-serving things that leak out some money to do some yeah. good and have some good intentions, but they're not set up for the purpose that they claim that they're yeah, set up and for. So, they're and they're so, just more circular right. than that. And, and they, so, of course, they're going to fail. They're not even set up to help people. And so, Yes, and I there's a part of me that I'm not sure if I if, – if that, if that is a problem for me. So I, I think – and I look at – Church is similar to well. Here, no, 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 helping listen. people has never mattered to Joey. <clears throat> no, listen. I'm just talking about from a functional point of view. It's just that's the logic of the situation. Yeah, not what, a what I'm saying is, I think as individuals, we should be helping people as Christians. Just like I don't put it on. I, I understand the point of view of the government helping people, but I think that that should probably first and foremost fall on people. Now, 
the arguments there that, well, the people aren't doing it, so the government has to step in. But I like in the same way, I don't need our country to be a Christian country and make Christian decisions. They're government. But it could be a thing. It could be to help people. You don't have to. I don't, sure, that's fine. I mean, but anyway, I think as Christians, we should all make a decision to help people. As a church organization, we aren't. Our, that's not our specialty. Our specialty but, is not a homeless shelter. Our specialty is not food distribution. Now, one of the Seacoast campuses, it is. Like they they are situated in a poor community, and that's what they do. But our church is at a, the Terrace Movie Theater, which is a retro theater. We're not set up for that. That's not what we specialize in. And you guys know me. I I don't. I have very little discernment when it when it comes to like helping people. I, I'll I'll end up giving you know anybody anything where there are people that work in well, nonprofit you just mean you're organizations. You're easily scammed. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> there's there's people, and I've had to really try to swing the pendulum in the opposite direction pretty hardcore. So I don't do that. But there's some organizations where these people are studied, man. They know how this demographic works and right. they know how to help them long term. It's possible to help I don't, people. It's just yeah, not what the I don't have, do that. That's I don't have point. that resource. I, I don't know how right. to help these people long term. Yeah. So pastors don't know how to help people. What I mean why that's would not what they're trained for. It isn't what they're trained to do. That's I know. That, and called to do or paid to do. And right. that's just the, the blunt reality. You it's fine to have your country club, but it's think of it I don't think it's wrong to belong to a country club. But it's more set up like that, right. you'd have to agree. It has different yes. causes, different underlying things. It's a little bit more like a country club, and that's not a judgment. Right. But if the, th- the, f- the thing that they always like to, everybody likes to say is, well, the church is people, right? But that leads me to a, another funny thing I'd like to say is that you'd say, well, the church is people, and the people do help, and that is the church. That's a good philosophy. Yeah. So turn that around next time you leave church or tell people that you don't go to their church anymore, and they say, yeah, but we just, and you get the pushback of the people that say, well, we think you need to be in church, and you go, I am the church. No yeah. problem. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <I am. laughs> what church do you go to? Yeah. Uh, y'all always tell me it was people's a church, so I think I've got that under control. Right. I am a person. Because <laughs> I, 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 I am actually the church, so y'all leave me alone. I will say this, though. One of the most freeing things about our house church, it's, you know, we're not... We're not a... We give a higher percentage of our money away than a church oh, like man. Seacoast. Hold on. But we, <laughs> but there's no way we can even come close to the volume of money that Seacoast gives. But that's it, it is bullshit math. Sure, that you just did. That's there. fine. That's fine. But it is so freeing for there to be a need, and we can literally any of us we can pick up a checkbook that says church. I think our church is called Church in Charleston. That's the name. That's the that is the legal name of our church, Church in Charleston, and we can write a check. There, there was a uh, girl yep. that goes to Seacoast James Island, who was in a foreign country, uh, was super sick, was not getting the medical care that she needed, but the cost of flying her back to America last second, like with a helicopter, was like ten thousand. A, a GoFundMe was started, and we were able to give an immediate $1,000. We didn't have to get approval from anyone. We didn't have to, have to ask anyone, and that that Wait, is just so well, Let me do ask you a practical question, though. Do you have to have unanimous? Do you vote? What if it, what if one of the people at your church said, no? Nah, yeah, so, so we we actually do have, uh, a. I guess the only thing you can call it is like a board, which is four people. And those four people are trusted by everyone else to make those sorts of financial decisions. Mm-hmm. But we, I, I'll still throw a message out to everyone on Slack and basically say, hey, here's what we're planning on doing. Does anyone have any 
um, yeah. major yeah. concerns with this, and we haven't run. How many people that works? Is how many people's in your yeah, group? Yeah, don't get bigger. Whatever yeah. size it is, right. you cannot yeah. afford to get bigger, or that all goes away. That is true. Yeah. That, that is once true. you get bigger. Now, here's the other thing. Like it sounds like we're throwing like Seacoast under the bus or something. They do meet needs. They meet your Heck needs. Yeah. I mean, they, they much meet more the efficiently they, though. They, they, you they agree? meet the staff's needs, the people yeah. that work there's needs. Oftentimes, they I mean, they have air conditioning. They do meet needs, and they do give to other countries and to causes all that stuff. I, I do understand that. But what I'm saying is, it does seem weird that as a pastor, you would go, "I work at a church, and I have no way of helping certain people," or that isn't necessarily the goal in that instance. Like your goal maybe isn't to stop homelessness or help homelessness. So there shouldn't be, that also shouldn't be wrapped up in what Seacoast does. Like that's something, right. and maybe it doesn't, maybe it's not. And we're, we're just using Seacoast here. It's I'm church. on board with mega but, churches more than I've ever uh, been. I've come uh, full circle since starting this podcast. Uh, <laughs> I doubt that. I'm, I'm full on not helping some homeless people. Like I think it does keep them where they're at even. So that's what I'm saying. But to Matt's point, that's not what you guys are built for. Like right. church is not church is built for people with money to come in and listen to a, feel about good God about themselves and, and, and leak leave. a little out to the community here and there yeah. and feel feel good and learn. I mean, learn about Jesus some and worship genuinely. It's, yeah. it's for those things. Yeah. See, That's I'm not like Joey. Joey has, is what's it called? Your church is called Church Church in Charleston. Yeah. Church in Charleston. See, I, I've got my own thing. It's called True Man. I'm going to promote it right now. May <laughs> 11th, 12th, and 13th in uh, Little Rock, Memphis, and. St. Louis, and we're doing a song rescue in Chicago, too. Check it out. You can go to truemanexperience.com. I want a bunch of men, because my thing is, I feel like uh, with men, uh, it, it is crazy how much I've been emailing and talking to people. Also, sign up for the email list if you want. Uh, I do a, a, a True Man Fridays email. But it's an email of, worth what, getting, by the way. It is. Thank uh, you, like Joey. For, I for appreciate you to send that. an what? email out every week and for it to be something I, that I want to read every time, it's pretty thank impressive. Thank you. I appreciate that. I've been going to church. I think we've gone every Sunday now for a month, which is crazy. And it's a Baptist church, and we I really enjoy the music and the preaching. The preacher is nice and good. I'm I'm just in my whatever nice construction and good. stuff. Well, uh, could but, you uh, not I, get I just, more generic of adjectives well, just now? I, I was <laughs> nice and good. I mean, he is quality at speaking. I, I just some of the material, and I, I don't want to say anything bad about him because it would be any church I'd go to. But I do still feel like like it's so funny when I just go to church and I just look at men and their engagement levels and what they're you almost see what they're thinking on their faces. And that's why I started True Man because I just feel like there's so much more underneath men that does mm. not come out and is uncomfortable to talk about. And that's what we're talking about here. Like you should be able to ask those questions if you're at your church. What are we doing? What you know it doesn't mean that the church is wrong. But you should be the whole church should be like, wait, man, there's a homeless woman. What do we want to do about this? And and whatever that decision is, should be all right. That everybody, but like you can do that in your small house you church. Can do it I can do that in True Man events. You know, and we can have real conversation. But the bigger a church or entity gets, the harder it is to do things that you think you should. Yeah, I just believe that. I, I hear you, Toby. I just want to say that your your wife is nice and and good. She's that. That's what I would. Think when I yeah. think of Jessica, I think she's nice and good. Yeah. I can't think that, of that last batch of Emory songs you write was totally just nice and good. Yeah, Thank nice you guys. Totally, totally average. I really appreciate that. Fair, fair songs. They were Thanks. Decent, it, are decent. Similar to y'all's joke right now. Very normal <laughs> and just, you know. <laughs> All right, well, we'll have Owen Benjamin on the podcast in a, in a few minutes. So I'm excited to do that. We'll see if he can join us wild. here on the Google link. And uh, we'll get into some of that stuff with him, I suppose. Cool. He It'll be the last episode of Bad Christian, <laughs> affiliated no, with Owen. Uh, what's his last name again? 
Come on, Joey. Is he super famous? I'm just kidding. Let's, let's do it. Okay, guys, hang on just a second. Now, y'all have all heard me talk a bunch about me undies before, and that's because they're my favorite underwear ever. They're, of course, fun and comfortable, and they well, they look good too, which is not always my primary concern, but I do enjoy wearing some bright orange in the place where nobody can see it. It's kind of fun for me. But anyway, if you haven't tried it yet, is you who I'm talking to. Listen up. You can get incredible underwear sent to your door with MeUndies, meaning you don't have to go hunt around for the perfect pair, figure out what's going on through the plastic at these big stores and then settle for something and then take it home. That's not a good way to shop for your underwear. MeUndies are made with sustainably sourced material from beechwood trees. Their naturally soft fiber makes a fabric that won't sag down or ride up. And trust me, when you put them on, you will know the difference. It, it will be quite obvious. And keep in mind there that MeUndies is so sure that you'll love the first pair that they'll do whatever they can to get you into the right pair. And if they still can't get you a pair you like, they'll refund you. So it really is risk-free to try this best underwear ever. And if you're still not sure, well, MeUndies has a deal for our listeners. So first-time purchasers get 20% off their first pair of MeUndies and free shipping. So get your butt over to MeUndies.com and treat yourself. Get 20% off your first pair, free shipping, and 100% satisfaction guarantee. Go to MeUndies.com slash badchristian. That's MeUndies.com slash badchristian. Where are you? You're in New York? Yeah, yeah. This is uh, your place up there. Adirondack Mountains, like up near uh, Canada, like uh, Lake Placid area. That's cool. I want to give people just a quick, a couple things. I, I don't know everything about you, but I believe you play music, uh, you do comedy, you live up in upstate New York, and you work on trees. Is that true, too? That kind of yeah, thing? Yeah, yeah. My brother's cool. an arborist, so um, I do that with him. That's cool. Yeah. That is very cool. How do you get out to do, do, uh, do you do any, is all your comedy stuff, stuff you have to travel and do? Or do you do, like, living up there, you don't get to pop in and do open mics? Well, I do, uh, I do a live stream every day. Mm-hmm. From uh, at one point YouTube, and then they took away my live streaming ability. So now it's uh, Vimeo uh, slash Owen Benjamin, which is pretty cool. And then I, I wait a I second is is having you on our podcast going to risk us getting taken off of YouTube too? Yeah. I should we should have thought of that. Yeah, there's been there's been hit squads awarded. We're <laughs> on the way to you guys right now. <laughs> the Google police. Well, yeah. Yeah. Toby went to open mic last night, didn't? Did you go, Toby? Yeah, I did. I've gone. So uh, this week, I went to two open mics and definitely didn't get. Up, I couldn't get up to either one. I'm just. It's so nerve wracking. Like, but like for you, Owen, what's crazy is not only are you good at comedy and you feel comfortable up there watching your stuff, and and it's funny. Like, it is the scariest thing I think I've ever done. Like, get getting up on stage is so like that. Not getting a laugh and it being silent is like petrifying. I. It, it, Going up there, I just couldn't do it. Last night, I, I was... You were supposed to and chickened well, out? Yeah, I was supposed to go over there and sign up on the list. And it's just a little one in Nashville, and I just couldn't do it. I mean, I, I had... I even My big open... Okay, this was my opening joke. I was like, maybe this will work. <laughs> I'll, I'll give you my opening joke. I thought I would just stand there and look at everybody for a minute and then say um, this. I was going to say, I'm the biggest thing that has ever been in my mom's vagina. And, then I was just, and that was going to be the opening line. And then I was going to go into right. stuff about, you know, just... Maybe I didn't know where I was going to go from there, so I was just chickened out. You I was can like, go anywhere so you didn't there. do it. Well, like that's a good opener. I, well, he was he chickened out of doing it in, front, in a room full of eleven people, and now he's doing it in front of tens of thousands on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, <I know. laughs> yeah, but I, I don't, don't have to that, see that. That's what I'm saying. And y'all yeah. I, and y'all didn't really laugh that much. That's what I'm saying. If I, no. if I was there, <laughs> I got other stand man, I laughed. <laughs> but the silence is uh, the silence is fun too. I think I think the one way to get through all that and to like get past all that is. Uh, Almost look forward to them not laughing because it's it, that's one of the funniest parts. 
Is it kind of like the away team thriving off of the crowd booing and yeah, um, yeah, yeah? Yeah, he's kind of like it's like um, how some fighters need to get hit first to like really to really go. Like I used to be a a heckler at a Renaissance festival in high school where my hand I would be like my head and hands out of a stock, and I'd have to make fun of people all day who threw tomatoes at my face, and um, (laughs) those nine hours a day of just of just trying to crush people. And, uh, and what kind of stuff? How how far would you go uh, after people with that? Like, you would, well, like, the, the farthest kind of stuff you, would you get? The farthest them? you can go isn't even that. It's almost it's pretty clean, actually. You just mm-hmm. go after what someone has pride in. Like, um, if someone's four hundred pounds, a fat joke won't work. But if someone's like fifteen, twenty pounds overweight and they're with their girl, <laughs> it destroys yeah. them. You know? Yeah. You're like, have another yeah, Twinkie, exactly. big big fella. Look at the <laughs> big old tugboats coming in. Tugboat's coming at you know, that'll destroy them. It's the same with like really ripped guys, like do the gay jokes on those guys, not on actual gay guys. They don't care. But if two dudes are just yeah. super ripped and it's like, oh, you and your boyfriend just came from uh, 24 hour fitness. You guys uh, uh, bench, you bench with each other, you bet, you know, and then they're like, we're not gay. And then they have to throw tomatoes and I would get 10% of uh, every tomato. And I was always trying to beat the joust. <laughs> and you were doing that before you were actually doing comedy and yeah, open mics like and 17. stuff like that. That's great. That's hilarious. So, so we've been trying a little bit at that, just really out of respect for the art form. Not that I think we'll ever be real stand-up comedians, but it's almost like just a challenge. Like, can I make myself do it just to prove that I can do it? And it, I agree with Toby. I've gotten up probably five times, and I, I hate it, man. <laughs> so <laughs> the terrifying. I keep making myself awful. doing it. But it's not, I mean, it's not going that well, obviously. But do you think that it's real? There's a definite innate thing, or is it the kind of thing where you actually believe, like a lot of people, that if you just keep working at it, you'll, you'll, you'll be able to do it? Not like have a career or whatever. I think but. it's a little bit of both. I think there, you have to be, uh, you have to have the right combination of intelligence and uh, being flawed. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I think most artists already are there. It, but yeah, it definitely takes uh, reps. Like for me, the first couple times weren't the hard ones. It was it was after that, like like the first ones, I was so like juiced up on um, adrenaline and fear that I I did pretty well. And then after that, when when my heart started going down, I started bombing. I was um, in I was in college. My first set of, of all time was opening for uh, Kevin Hart when he was nobody. No way. Yeah. And it was in front of like tons of people, but I played classical music since I was a little kid. So I wasn't really scared of the crowds, but then I, like when I first was in LA doing four minute spots at open mics, I started bombing and that was the hardest part for me. It wasn't the, uh, the bigger shows because the performance artist in me could get, get over that hump. But when it's like open mics, you know, half the room's rooting against you. You know, a lot of people aren't there to laugh. It's like, you can just feel your instincts going, run, run, get out. It's like the movie Get Out, Get Out. <laughs> yeah. It, it's petrifying to me just because the same way with us. So we, I've all, I was always a singer and, you know, I sang in choir, got solos. And so it wasn't, it's not necessarily the crowd, but with, with music and you incorporate music within your act too. Uh, I was going to, with music, you can just keep playing or something. If, even if they don't applaud, even if you're, you know, opening for another band or something like we've done with our band Emory and they didn't like us or whatever, you could just keep going or we start playing distorted guitars and screaming and hooting and hollering, jumping on stage, you can get away from it. But it, it to me is almost the most vulnerable you can be on earth. Like, I mean, the only other thing would be like literally walking somewhere naked or something like that. But I mean, <laughs> like you can actually, 
last night there, I saw all these people go up, and some of them were funny, some of them were terrible, whatever it might be. But I was like, every single person, it, it gave me a whole new respect for comics. Like I, I feel like the worst comic I've ever seen on you know whatever Netflix or wherever is still so good. Like, do you, do you think do you think that at all? Like, do you now that you've gotten to yeah. a certain level, you think people are hacks or are they all good? Yeah. How do you divide hacks then? Like, if you just respect everybody that can do it, or where do you like like? Well, this guy's bullshit. Well, like, how do you draw that line? I think hacks are people that um that are good and then choose to like push some sort of like a creepy agenda or something when i like when i know they're they're naturally funny like for example amy schumer was always really funny and then she took this weird turn where she stopped being as funny and started pushing like weird agendas Mm -hmm. and political stuff and i was like that to me is hacky because back in the day when i started with her she would be really funny that that's what bothers me the most about comedians is when i know they can be funny and they're doing this weird thing but um I think one of the things that I see in comedians is um, some of my friends are way funnier than me and comedians are just the ones who can do it like at 8 PM and in a really weird environment, you know? And it's like to get over that hump, like I got buddies that are way funnier than me if we're just having a fire or something, but then you give them a microphone and an elevated heart rate and they just, they're not funny anymore. And so a comedian is, is the person, it's almost like being an executioner, you know, it's like, Yeah. yeah, can you kill somebody when you're not mad? (laughs) <laughs> yes. you know and that's kind of what uh, yeah. comedy uh, is i see i want to i want to tell you of a situation where i was actually offended by a comedian and see your take on it and and <laughs> this and, will be good and i want to find like do you put any limitations on yourself when it comes to this sort of thing so it was in college and it was one of those cultural events that you get credit for and so the guy you know he's relatively funny um but there was a journalist there that was doing journalism for the school, and I think Matt and Toe would probably even remember him, but he was a super, super short guy with a super high-pitched voice. And so this guy, uh, the comedian, he was just like, oh, what are you doing, man? What are you writing down? And so the guy responds to him, and immediately he gives him a crazy look. He's like, the fuck's wrong with your voice, man? And, and then he starts mocking him, making fun of him. And so everybody is like, kind of an uncomfortable laugh and this dude is just humiliated and i was just like i was like that guy's a jerk yeah yeah it's like for me it's it's only if they come at me would i do something like that i wouldn't just pick a person and just start being like what's up with your nose dummy like that is like crazy to me but if someone comes at me especially women uh, I give them like two rounds. I make it so that the (laughs) i make it so the audience like once i drop the hammer the audience loves it that's, that's where I go, like like a drunk chick, you know. It's like, tell more Johnny's about my friend Diane, you know. She's just wasted, and you're like, yeah. oh, okay, you know. Start off being super kind, and then the next round, you almost layer in a little, a veiled threat, but more kindness, and then the third one, just, just, just slaughter. <laughs> and, so awesome. and then even the other women in the crowd will be like, yeah, get that bitch out of here, you know. <laughs> Yeah, and that's if they because they walk into it, but you allow them to do so just to make sure the audience will go with exactly. you instead of you just sometimes the audience yeah. doesn't hear what they're saying. This would happen to me in the beginning yeah. where the first five rows, someone could say something psychotic, and I'll and I would re- react in a funny way, and people thirty rows back didn't see what they did; they just saw my reaction, yeah. and uh, and and I would look like a bully, and so that's why I always make sure that it, the only time I really go at someone is if. Um, they're ruining it for everyone and everyone. Uh, <laughs> is, no one's on the side of the condemned. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, no. yeah, that makes sense. How you give women two rounds? How do you handle men differently? One round. What's it, just what? It's just, you, you give, <laughs> make sure they really walk into the trap before you go after them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like dudes can do one. I'll, I'll like try and see if they're cool, and then one more, and it's just just go right at them. Is there any subject matter that's off the table for you that you're you're not going to touch because you would find it just too disrespectful? Well, it's it's how jokes are told. I I naturally mm-hmm. gravitate uh, not to shocking. That's the irony of like some of my PC battles is I'm naturally a men and women are different guy. It's mm-hmm. not even like I have this like uh, this yearning to to do taboo topics. It's just uh, like there's topics any topic you can do. It, it's it's who the butt of the joke is. If there's a victim in your joke, you know that that's how I view it. Where it's like. That's when I see things as either offensive or like crass versus not. It, it's you could do a topic, but not make it about the thing. If that makes sense. Yeah. That, yeah. That, I mean, that, I was, I was going to say I was just I watched just a couple of weeks ago, like Ricky Gervais uh, uh, stand up on Netflix or whatever. And it, he was making a lot of fun and talking about making fun of uh, Caitlyn Jenner or whatever. And it, I thought the way he said it was really good. Just that the idea of you can make fun of, of people and bring them into the joke and talk about stuff in a way. And he, even though he's, he is making fun of Caitlyn Jenner, she's famous and should be able to be made fun of and make light of herself or something. It's not an, a personal attack. Maybe that's what. Yeah. Yeah. And if you yeah. exclude a group of people, that means you think you're better than them. That's what's bothering me yeah. about a lot of these progressive comedians is it's like, don't, don't mock Darnell. He can't handle it. It's like, okay, well now you think you're better than him. Because right. like that's how my culture shows camaraderie a lot of times. Like for that's example, right. my Caitlyn Jenner joke was um, talking about how my buddy is a physicist who's like so smart. He's kind of an idiot, but like one time he was like, uh, "Caitlyn Jenner was Woman of the Year, but hasn't been woman for a year." Like that was the whole joke. Where it's like <laughs> Caitlyn Jenner times fraction of one is less than one. Therefore, you can't be Woman of the Year if you haven't been a woman. You haven't for even a been year, a woman right? for a full year. So yeah. that's you're, you're now mocking the whole thing without even touching. You're kind of mocking yeah. the math. Yeah, you're mocking point. the math. Exactly. And yeah. then I, I followed yeah. up with the same guy said, uh, um, if I was, uh, you, you make it simple. You go, you go hard topic to simple topic. And it's almost like the joke is that it, through the eyes of a mathematician where he's like, if, uh, if I was a criminal in Gotham, I would commit crimes on queer nights. I'm like, go on. He's like, because the bat symbol requires reflection off clouds. So, if I committed a crime and they alerted the Batman with a bat symbol and there was no clouds, I would get away with my crime. And I'm like, do you want to open for me on the road? Like, that's how the, the joke ends. It's, yeah. it's just someone doing an algorithm. Right. And then yeah. right. in doing that, you evade all of it. Yeah, that, that makes sense. What do you think about for the, you know, the, how serious to take comedy? Uh, I know you don't know the background of the show and everything, but we basically just mess around. We come from conservative Christian cultures and backgrounds but exactly like you said we've been in a rock band touring for 15 years and it's tour bus backstage vibe and how we show camaraderie is we're dirty and we're mean to each other we break each other's balls and we act like big brothers to everybody and it's great and it makes people feel good and it makes you be able to deliver your point and so we love to you know just be free and do that and it's like you're even if you're trying to make cultural points, which we do on this podcast, we, that humor is just the natural vehicle for us to make fun of stuff, including ourselves. And it's just been, it's weird how many people don't get 
the fact that there's laughing involved in humor is like, oh, so it doesn't really matter. They don't care about what they're saying or they don't mean it or it's not important. Well, it's about female and, and male. Like, it's, it's female male. It, it, it's, I, I think that's one reason why I've gone much more right wing on the spectrum mm-hmm. is because I think the culture is starting to become very anti-male. And I'm not saying like uh, you can't be a man. Like what we do to show camaraderie is now seen as mean, and we bust balls. Right. And that's right. Like I like one that's of my one of my first jokes from way back in the day. I'll, like it's just um, it's the the soundtrack in a man's head versus a woman's head in a fight, where it's like, hey baby, you know, and then the woman's like, who is Wendy? You know, it's just back and forth <laughs> between, between like how a man, like you know, you could be on vacation and your girl's like. You know, you're on vacation, uh, you're in Hawaii, and then she's like, why is that wave like that? Is that a tsunami? Is that a tsunami? And the guy's like, why is there a T in t- tsunami? Like men are more uh, uh, linear and, and women are more nonlinear in thought. And that's just a fact. And so women are more likely to insult each other in a passive aggressive way. And men are way more likely to insult each other in a very direct way. And that's how we almost show that we can trust each other. And, and yeah, it's like that. There's something real about it, and you just breaking balls, busting balls is is masculinity, but it's not toxic. It it can be very it's necessary because if yeah. not, you see this almost communist type. Um, everything's a lie. No one say the truth. Culture that we're starting to see in the world, where it's just like, you know, um, tolerance is fascism, and you know, abortion is life, and work is freedom. Like all this stuff comes from the whole like never being able to say anything, and yeah. Better- I, and, men, and men are more likely to just be like, no, that bitch isn't wearing shoes. You know, you just, you just say what reality is. I think a perfect example of this, in, in my opinion, is we had a uh, a progressive woman on the show and talked to her about 20 minutes as far as like how modest women should be when it comes to the fact that guys are turned on by the female body and from a Christian perspective. And then you had, and and so she was on the really progressive side of it's not our responsibility. Then you had another woman who was a former uh, porn star who said, no, it is our responsibility. We have to be super modest that, you know, we don't want to cause our guys to stumble, but she mentions in passing that her husband hadn't masturbated in seven years that he figured out purity. And so a lot of our listeners, they just thought that was great. They were like, oh, I don't believe that for a second. And so we were talking about that on the podcast. <laughs> and so I think I think I uh, I took it to another level. I said, yeah, or, or maybe it was Toby. Toby, I, we, were say, we said, yeah, he hadn't masturbated for seven years, but he's been sleeping with prostitutes all that time. So <laughs> it kind of, And so people... People took that as us mocking him, and it was really just cutting up about the situation. Like, okay, even if he, we don't really—that's just an—that's just an acknowledgement that th- that is an extreme claim. Right. The, the claim of somebody hadn't masturbated in seven years is so extreme. It invites a, a joke to relieve that. It invites claim or something. Like that. It invites relief as much as his blue balls invite relief. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like that's a psychotic claim. I mean, no, no offense to the dude, but yeah, you're going to make fun of a guy who hasn't whacked it in seven years. It's just kind of yeah, and I, who knows if he has or hasn't? It's funny, probably either way. Right. I guess he's either he's yeah, lying or that's yeah, hilarious. I don't know what to say. That's how they sell men's stuff. Is uh, 
Wait, guys, it's just jizz overload because women don't know what it's like to be a dude. Like a hundred million sperm pressed against the edges, like prisoners trying to see the sun. Like get us out of here! It's like a ball of cost, <laughs> you know. And they just have one egg a month. Like it's a big, uh, big house in the country. You know, it's like ew. I don't have any neighbors, and we're just like the projects. Like we'll buy whatever you want. You're like Jane Seymour. Fine, let's get this crazy heart shaped bullshit. And, uh, Do you- and that's that's my, my real passion in comedy was the difference between men and women. And then when the leftists made it so that men and women aren't different, yet they are different, this nonsense world, I became just in the fact I wouldn't kneel to it. I became this like weird uh, enemy of the state character. <laughs> are you, so are you still you're permanently banned from Twitter? Is that going to yeah, be permanent? Making fun of David like you, you won't be able to get a new one or you couldn't start a new account or you'd be allowed to. Is no, I tried mad? doing one. I, uh, I was um, Big Bear McFirmbuns. And they figured out it was me immediately and just canceled it. Yeah, and, yes. and that tech, did you get resolution on what exactly it was? Yeah, yeah. Or was it, it was, is said, it they'd uh, been watching you, or is that a single violation? It, well, it was a couple, it was a few. Like one, it was. Uh, I said David Hogg doesn't have. Uh, if you don't have pubes, you can't tell a grown man whether or not he can own a gun. That was the one that really uh-huh. got me. Uh-huh. And all these uh, activists made it seem like I was like into like kid pubes. <laughs> it was David Hogg, and he would. It was like a week from turning eighteen, and it's just a way of speech of like, if you don't have hair in your balls, you don't get to tell me how to live my life, you know. Right. And, uh, and and obviously so that was a joke story. too. Yeah. What's that? I mean, obviously that was a joke. The people that condemned you that aren't comedians and and apparently don't have any sense of humor if they don't realize you were joking or, or making per- that in a funny legit, way. They're perverts too. Right. They're like legit per. Anyone who would think that that that's like saying knock knock and someone being like. How dare you mock home invasion statistics? It's like, what? Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. yeah. And it's only to silence yeah, me because right. I would get tweets that would be 40, 50,000 retweets that would just be like daggers in the cultural dialogue as far as like, there was this one that was all the late night uh, comedians. And I said, all these people endorse the same candidate. They had the same opinion on everything. Ladies and gentlemen, comedy. And that just kept going viral. And, yeah. and they kept shadow banning it. And people would come to my site every day just to like it and retweet it. And that yes. stuff was just causing them so many problems. The same with like all the shooters not having biological dads in the home. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and, and, and keep up with my crazy traditional family values. Because statistically, that's way more likely that you're going to uh, shoot, shoot something up. It has nothing to do with guns. It has to do with like, are you from a stable family or not? And again, that would get so widespread and they just did not like that they uh approved of me in so many levels of hollywood and yet i i have more conservative and libertarian ideals has that hurt or helped your career in your opinion as far as exposure and and popularity and and even your pocketbook oh it's so interesting uh at first i thought it would destroy my career like that's why i was getting back into tree work and then i realized that i represent the majority of america and uh Gosh. And 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 like all these leftists don't. It's like they all, you know, like just the fact I believe in God is like that's sixty eight percent of America versus everyone in Hollywood's an atheist. Like just about everyone. I know a few exceptions, but uh, it, it's j- just that alone or being pro gun. Like the majority. Well, yeah, well, who else you got? Scott Bayo <laughs> and the mom from Malcolm in the Middle. No, that's about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You got like it's Tim Allen. Yeah, and then and then some of the Jewish dudes like Sandler and yeah. dudes like that, but. Other than that, it's like, it's like uh, you you become the heretic. It's almost like this weird religion of the state where white guilt is uh, original sin and being like, uh, it's so funny. It's like being vegan is like kosher. It's like they they created a religion. And if you go against it and the purity tests are like, 
uh, is Caitlyn Jenner a beautiful woman? And you're like, no. And they're like, out with you. And you're like, what? And uh, it's just this weird godless religion that's formed out there. And so my fan base is definitely exponentially grown. And it's really good people. It's like dudes that, you know, like you guys. It's just people that I would hang out with in person. It's not like these weird drone fans from back in the day that would just be like, what does Adam Sandler smell like? It's just weird. (laughs) If If you have at least one fan or follower who is alt right, then you're than you are too. Though, oh, right, right, right. I know. If you had but one. Jay-Z, Jay-Z can have like Bloods and Crips right. and stuff and no one cares. Yeah. yeah. Like they can like yeah. Castro. Have, yeah. <laughs> have you found the, uh, the all right is the easiest claim you could ever do. It's, so, it's not like the Nazi one. Right. It's just the softest thing that you could label anything. And then it's like, well, who's to say? I guess maybe they are. Like it's so <laughs> right, right, easy right. To, to slap on anything. But yeah. Have Sorry, have you have you found you were saying like you probably your uh, your ideas, your faith, all that stuff uh, re- relate probably to people m- more than you know the elitist or or whoever. Have you found that across the board too? Like, is that uh, like if you is that does your thought process uh, cross boundaries like religion or race or anything like that? Like, have you gotten support from other other people, or is it like? Do you, like, are is it tough? Are there a lot of alt writers or people that like show up more or whatever? No, because I'm not racist. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I'm like a dude. Like, uh, like uh, some of these guys would think they had like, like one of their guys in, and then like quickly, I would, I would, they would very quickly realize that I don't judge people on race. I judge people on you know merit, whether or not they're a good person. Like, are they fun to be around? And 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 then like. They would almost get more mad than the leftists sometimes. where they're like, how do you not see that being white makes you special? I'm like, it doesn't. It makes you it. it I have no white shame or pride. That's my stance. I'm just mm-hmm. a white dude. It's because my my skin adapted to the northern climate. And now I live farther south of the Arctic Circle. So, you know, I'm trying to darken up a little bit. But, you know, it's like a joke. <laughs> yeah. Like the fact that anyone like the melanin obsession is uh on both sides, and I see it more on the left than I do on the right, to be honest with you. Like, I think that they're always asking, like, that identity politics of, like, well, as a woman or as a black guy or as a – it's like, dude, you sound like a Nazi. You know, it's like, as the master race, I want to use the Autobahn. It's like, right. shut up. Yeah. 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 When did you start really feeling the pressure? Like, Because uh, just having watched a lot of your material, like, you, you do talk about men and women and relationships, and that's a lot of your humor and your jokes. Uh, and then what – you were in Hollywood or what, what kind of pushed you over the limit to start having a taking kid, these chances? Married. You know, really? having somebody that I cared about more than myself, I think. I think that's one of those things that really sets you free where you're like, you can't d- dazzle me anymore. Like, I'm watching out for this mm-hmm. next generation and, uh, and I'm not easily tricked these days, you know? Yeah. Is that the feeling like, uh, let's see if I'm identifying that right, but I kind of remember that too after having kids being like, Something that that might have I might have been worried about socially or something. I just like oh well, this is so not it's just so apparently not important what this person thinks of this or if I make this impression on a person exactly because it just it just proportionally doesn't seem to matter as much as it did. Before. Yeah, it's like you won't be invited to the Sony dinner brunch at the mansion. It's like I'd rather just teach my kid how to kick a ball, man. You know, yeah. it's like what, what 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 do you think is there? It's just this hedonic treadmill and. Don't get me wrong. There's still some cool ass people in, in Hollywood that I'm still friends with. I, I'm not knocking the whole place, but it's almost just the institution of it has gotten so creepy. And that's why a lot of them are like behind the scenes supportive of me and like always tweeting me stuff or t- now texting me stuff. But 
They, they, How does that strike you that they they won't support you publicly though? Isn't that a little weird? Like you have people that scared? back you up, but they're not really. Yeah, they're public scared. They're, they're like, hey, I won't work again if if I support you publicly out here. And I'm like, you know, some of them I understand. Some of them I think it's it's a lame move, but. It's not my battle. I, I I can't imagine the hell of living like that where you can't say what you actually think publicly. So, you know, I'm almost like rooting for them. <laughs> That's really weird. Yeah. That is really a religion. That's like, you know what I mean? Like that really does feel like a religion. You you, you have to yeah, uh, adhere to what the rules are or else you are banned or you and you can't question or ask. I was talking about this on Jordan Peterson's. Uh, when Jordan Peterson was on my show, I I, I was like, it's like a religion, except at least in religion, they shame you the better direction. Yeah. <laughs> it's almost like true. they're shaming you into being a worse person. Like, admit, you know, a 30-week abortion is, is just fine. Say it's just fine. And you're like, right. okay. <laughs> like, they're trying to make yeah. you more of, of like a, a scumbag. And, and that's what I always thought was interesting, where if you, you could take the, the, the farthest right Christian families and communities, but at least even if it's unreasonable, even if it's like, pushing people to a place that is like no one can really live up to at least they're trying it's not mm-hmm. like they're pushing people to be just total scumbags yeah they may be operating too much out of fear but and maybe they're both are but the commonality seems to be to me it's like the part that drives me crazy that i always know is wrong is they most of the time when people in let's say you know, legalistic Christianity are worried about something. They talk to you about what your behavior, but, and they're always worried about this third party because that could lead other people to this. I mean, I can handle it, but it's these other people that we have to protect that are basically, am I frozen? Yeah, no, now I'm good. I, I okay. just missed the very last sentence. What was your last Oh, yeah. I was just saying, it's like, it's always on behalf of this third person who you're looking out for that why you need to correct your behavior. And I think the person is largely always fictitious. Like you're fighting for the rights of people that may or may not be wanting what you think they want, or they may not right. even exist. Like right. you're pretending to be offended to protect somebody else from getting offended, but you could let them speak for themselves or something. But it's policing people's behavior by looking right at you and saying, because there's these other people. Oh, exactly. So yeah, we yeah, need yeah. to d- it's, it's do that. And that's knight. what they do in Christianity and, and, too. And everyone can do it. Christians yeah. can do it. Atheists can do it. It's yeah. the white knighting where it's like, that's one of my uh, lines in um. In the Soy Boy song was uh, his invisible best friends are all black. You know, he's like, I'll protect you, Jamarcus. It's like they're invisible. You know, people that stand up for people that aren't even there. And it's this weird arrogance that happens where people are like, yes, on behalf of this community, you have to stop. And I'm like, I open for Julio Iglesias. Like my wife is half Mexican. Like, you don't think. And then these like white liberal, this white liberal chick from Yale is going to tell me what makes Hispanic people laugh in the deep South. It's like, I toured with Julio Iglesias for years. Like when half the crowd didn't even speak Spanish and this entitled, arrogant, um, godless priest priestess is going to tell me what I can and can't joke about. It's like, nah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. I think a lot of those people that uh, one of the things that bothers me the most is I am 100% for, uh, positive change, uh, you know, uh, definitely equality, all of these things. The problem I do see a lot, and this is really, I have observed this in the white community, is that there are a lot of white people, a lot of times uh, some uh, white women who will, I don't know if they are understanding, see it or not, but they are using other races as a platform. Like, I am this and I care about this other race, and I I am awoke, and I'm evolved, and this other race needs my help, and that is like a form of white power or oh something. You know what I mean? Like, exactly. like that's what's really dangerous mean. to me. 
I saw this great meme. It was like 1860, and it was like Democrats, and they had like a black dude on a chain, and this other black dude was like, "Be free," and it was like, "No, I, 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 I can't really explain it properly." But it was right after the Kanye thing when all these black people were like, or white liberals were saying like, "No, black guy, you can't think this way," and you're like, "This sounds very reminiscent of another time." There's this great meme where that uh, Khaleesi chick from Game of Thrones is like body surfing on all these black people. And it just says uh, <laughs> uh, every liberal after every tweet, this is how they feel. And they're yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. it's so funny. Exactly. And it's so yeah, true. It's like the arrogance of the condescension of it. You know, yeah. who were some of the comics as you were coming up? And did you did, well, like, when did you start feeling this way? Like that, that, like you were saying about Amy Schumer or whatever, like that they started crafting their, uh, comedy and maybe even their the way they looked to the public like did you start feeling that with like your peers uh it was a slow it was a slow thing that started happening and looking back it was with obama's identity politics where it was like when it started becoming about race and gender and and you and he got a lot of that from that Saul Alinsky leftist stuff and i didn't see it at the time when he was first elected i wasn't even involved like thinking politics i was like oh great a black guy got Got an office. That's going to make everyone yeah. super happy. All right, back to crushing. And then you yeah. just see it slowly evolve where then I think it was more I didn't change than, than anything else. It wasn't that I got more um, different. It was like all these other comedians started just bending the knee. And it was like every single joke is anti-Trump, pro-abortion, anti-God anti-guns like every single comedian except for like mm -hmm. you know um norm mcdonald or joe rogan or some of these dudes that keep the, the torch going bill burr you know there's still some mm -hmm. crushers but in general it's just horrifying like if you go on netflix it's just at this point it's just propaganda and and it, well go ahead matt sorry yeah there's something I, that i have not been able to really get anybody to I've not been able to really get to figure out how to express this right, but when people like you get thrown in the firestorm, there's this tendency to identify it as, and you say this a lot, Jordan Peterson says this a lot, and a lot of people that I really like the way they think and what they do say this a lot, but I go, hang on a second, how can we separate here? Because it's like we're, now we're all of a sudden right here on the show, we're talking about those leftists. Yeah. But the but in my real experience, it's this very gradual spectrum. And so I'm trying to resist like, it's so hard because I want to be able to say it's those people. Well, I just did a. But isn't I, it everybody somewhat? Like, how do you. Right. That's why I say left. I just there. did a PragerU video yep. called Why I Hate the Left. And one of my main points was I'm not like the difference between a, a, a classical liberal and a leftist. And there really is differences. Like, my dad would be considered a liberal, and we just disagree on policy, but we have a shared outcome or goal. And this is mm -hmm. the people that I'm, I'm cool with because it's, I think it's what part of what makes America so special is. We both want less shootings, so he thinks this, I think this. We both want better right. health care. He thinks, I think, free market. He think, but we both have the same goal, and that's why we're yes. close. Whereas leftism doesn't share your goal, so there literally isn't common ground. The goal is, is merely power acquisition. Where yeah. like one so minute, certain one tactics minute, identify that. Yeah. yeah, where it's like one minute you're saying that this guy has to uh, bake a cake for a, a gay wedding in the next minute, the same people are saying that it Twitter's a private business and can do whatever it wants. It's like, Oh, so you don't have any values. Like there is no flag. Yeah. You just want what you right. want. And that to me, yeah. there isn't common ground with that. It's like having common ground with a wolf versus that like, makes sense. That's a good distinction. Yeah. It's like one wants to dismantle civilization and the other is just like uh, liberals and conservatives. The, the classic debate 
It's almost like two archetypes trying to build the right house. Leftism is a, is a wrecking ball. It's like we're wrecking it where it's like uh, gender doesn't matter. Uh, laws don't matter. Nothing matters. It's, it's, I think the real division is free will versus determinism and how you see the world. Are you in control of your actions or is everything you do a result of systematic oppression and all these invisible mm-hmm. forces that no one can measure? And to me, yeah. there is no common ground. Like I have no common ground with someone that would give a five-year-old kid hormone blockers because they think he's no, trans. No, I completely agree. But let me see, let me see if I can find a common ground. I'm gonna. I'll, I like to use my wife on the show as examples of things. Yeah. <laughs> she won't like it, but she won't listen. <laughs> she won't know. But my wife, for instance, is somebody that I think about as like a. She's a. Okay. She's kind of unaware. Like she's never followed politics right, or right, right. knows anything. And to be honest, her her moral intuitions are conservative. They just they totally are and always have been. Um, but we live here in Seattle, and it's a super liberal culture, and that's always been totally you may be fine. Moving there, that area. Really? Yeah. Well, let me know if you do. I, it's a great place. I think more people should move. Yeah, my wife's from here. There. Yeah. Anyway, go on. Yeah, it's great out here. Um, so she's not super political and she doesn't know anything about a side or leftism or rightism or history or philosophy. She shouldn't have any terminology, but since Trump got elected, she's made this super hard grab. You can feel the gravity of her being pulled very far left. It gets really getting on my nerves to be honest, yeah. but she doesn't, she's not informed. And I, I assure you, she's not a, doesn't want a wrecking ball society, right. but she's actually, you know, she hates Trump. She loves to hate Trump. She'll sit there and just f- laugh at all the videos of his funny doing stuff with his hand. Anything that seems to be negative toward him, she's going to be delighted about. And so she's st- now she starts saying these ideas that I'm like, you sound like those crazy people now, <laughs> like but just because she is reacting against something. But I assure you, she has no ideology or couldn't articulate it. She doesn't even know what it is, but she's, it's kind of, you know what I mean? She's moving in that direction. Yeah. And I think women, a lot of times naturally go in that direction. And, and there's a reason it's not always bad because that's the mentality when you're a mom taking care of like a toddler or something, you know, mm-hmm. it's like safe, like safety. You know, I, I do a bit that if, uh, if William Wallace was a, a woman, instead of freedom, he would have screamed safety. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Like men have a different set of instincts as far as uh, merit fairness rules you know the fastest guy's captain women are like the prettiest girl has herpes you know what i'm saying and it's like <laughs> and that's a different mentality and so this trump situation is uh is really weird because uh so much of the media is just pushing these these stories on people like look at what he did he hurt his wife or he said this thing and and people get especially women get so wrapped up in, in these stories that they start hating him and then everything he stands for and that's right. pretty common. I think that that's common, but like, I think the only way to really uh, talk through that is to like tell the story of Elizabeth Warren or somebody, you know, like one of these monsters. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, I well, think a lot of people get drawn into it though, men and women for sure. I don't, I, I don't think you just, just hope they uh, hit boundaries. It, like we, then eventually but, we're hanging out with the super lefty people here, just randomly at a dinner. And they're the type of people that think Matt Damon should never work again. Oh, right, right, right. Exactly. And then, and then, and all of a sudden she's like, Wait, what? The, and then I'm like, okay, good. You're still you. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. Like, okay, good. We're talking about the you. extreme sides yeah, of it too, though, God. right? Like, I mean, we're we're talking about extreme left and extreme right people are. It, it it takes just that little bit of salt on the internet or whatever it might be, and then it really does just erupt, right? Because I mean, like you like you said, I think most people probably are more like you than than not like you. So yeah, and and, I, and one of the draws of the left, which is something that people really have to watch out for, is they think that it's the compassionate angle and it really is it's it's about social approval like if you know economics uh socialized healthcare is a terrible idea 
like market economics, it, it will create uh, differences in wealth, the Pareto distribution, but it always rises. It's better for poor people without question. There's no model that says otherwise. I used to live in the Czech Republic. Every time socialism's tried, it ends in starvation and genocide every time. Like Bernie Sanders endorsed Venezuela. Look at Venezuela. They're now hunting pigeons. Mm -hmm. Like it destroys the... If, like I believe in equality of opportunity, not outcome. And anyone who believes in equality of outcome, the only way to make a forest equal is with an ax. And that's a fact. It's the, the tallest nail gets hammered down. Anybody special gets, gets right. put in a gulag. And that's a fact. And you can't have centralized economics because you don't know how much anything costs. And then everyone starves. And, um, and it, there is no country that that didn't happen to of, of, of socialism. So it's so easy it's so easy to just say, oh, yeah, everyone deserves health care. That's that's not courageous to say. That's trying to appeal to a mass of people. That's Bane. Like, Bane is yeah, Bernie Sanders. Yeah. It's like, you people have been oppressed. I will take back from the rich and give it to you, the people. Like, it's a lie yeah. from a monster. And and life isn't yeah. fair, but, but um, market economics have brought a billion people out of abject poverty in the last 15 years. And it's just... It's just if you look at like what the like what some of the like Paris Climate Accord, like everybody wants no more burning of fossil fuel. But how many people would die in third world countries that can't afford any solar panels because they don't live on Bainbridge Island off Seattle? You know, it's mm -hmm. it's this like it's, it's this masturbatory um, exercise of like wealthy people. That's so annoying. Well, you are not going to like the local government if you move here. Then. <laughs> we, I mean, I'll send you a few articles that you would get into before you get in the city limits and start dealing with our sweetened beverage tax and the minimum wage and oh. the, what, how we deal with the homeless and what we do with the transit money. You won't like it. No, I'm going to live in the country of Washington, I think. Yeah, yeah there you I go. I think That's one thing it. that bothers me the most is it really is like one thing that we have here in America that I think is it, it may be the most important is that freedom of speech and the idea that like where what if, so are you off what all are you got kicked off now twitter uh, <laughs> and what's twitter, next <laughs> um, patreon said that one more thing and i'm i'm off there so i set up my own um uh support platform if anyone wants to support it's huge pianist.com slash subscribe and then uh i can't live stream on youtube they didn't realize that this until until the fourth of july i'm back Oh, so on 4th of July, you can go back to YouTube? Yes, yeah, so I'll just shoot a bunch of guns and stuff on the 4th of July. <laughs> but see, that's, that's the thing. Like, there, there's stuff that, like, you you seem like a reasonable person. Not everybody should listen to you or agree with you. Same way as this podcast. Things that we're saying, I don't yeah, want people yeah. to just take it syrupy. That's what we're saying. But I cannot see a reason why Twitter would kick you off unless it's to silence an opinion they disagree with, that's which is dangerous is. for everybody, right? But that's dangerous to any side. Like, I want the people on the, the farthest extremes, the left, the right, wherever they land, to have a voice, and then people decide on their own. Well, that's bullshit. That, well, that's that, not that bad leftism. Christian or over. Leftism believes in centralized authority. That's why it's so linked to uh, Islamism. It's force, not power. No, but do you, do you think the right does that too, though, on, on, to some extent too? Like on the far, the the, the farther right wants this some is, kind of power play. When, uh, the, this is when words become interesting. Like, what would you consider far right? Do you can like, give me an example? Uh, I, I mean, obviously alt right people, and that, that, that that's more of a left wing. It's it's to, like a classic uh, conservative or right wing as America as it was described in America is a smaller government, more power on the individual. Mm -hmm. That's what conservatism is. Alt-right is another form of leftism. Like Adolf Hitler was a socialist. It was the National Socialist 
party. Like any anytime you want big government, high taxes, um, uh, control over the population, they're authoritarian. Just, yeah, authoritarianism yeah. is leftism, and and yeah. and right, like extreme right. That I think would would like I'm friends with uh, Stephen Molyneux, and he believes in like no government at all, and he has like really interesting points. That to me is right wing like as far right as you can go where it's like the nation state is the individual i have it i can't picture it like i for, I, I still i've had uh talks with them about that where i just can't picture a world without a government maybe i just have been brainwashed in public schools or something but i just don't quite understand it but it is not about goose stepping uh nazis that's another form of leftism that's authoritarianism and this whole like horseshoe nonsense that's just a way to trick people into thinking that your only options. It's like telling a kid like cauliflower or broccoli. And the kid's like, what about pizza? It's like, yeah. so you want Stalin or Hitler? It's like, that. that's right wing, left wing. No, that's both left wing. That's both like the state is your God. They're both state is your God, atheist, socialist, just monstrosities of human beings. It's a, yeah, it's a free, I mean, it's a freedom thing either way. Like the people that are, a lot of people in our culture from being in, you know, punk music or whatever, you've always felt like a misfit. And the last thing you want is what everybody else is to be, you had to be forced to conform. Right. That is a terrifying thought. So you getting kicked off of platforms. I mean, reasonably speaking, we're some amount of steps down from the content you do. Everybody is. I mean, I don't really like that. I feel very, I feel yeah. somewhat threatened by that. Now people are going to say, oh, the white man persecution phobia, whatever. But you're no, not saying not persecution. You know, Anyone that links yeah, it with race never saw Clarence Thomas. You know, Ted Kennedy yeah. let a woman die, and and he had the nerve to sit up there and try and keep a black man whose grandfather was a slave off the Supreme Court because he made a joke about a pube. Like that's just yeah. that has nothing to do with race. It literally is, it has to do with free thought. And and you're absolutely right to think that because. There's that old thing. It's like first they came for the gypsies and we said nothing. Then they came for the Catholics and we said nothing. Then they came for the Jews and we said right. nothing. Then they came for us and there was no one else left to say anything. It's like it's up to everybody to to see. Like okay, for example, um, I like I if if, if all right, I was having a discussion with one of my liberal friends back in the day when Obama was trying to get rid of guns, and I said, uh, okay, so you want that man to be able to determine who has guns or not. And he's, and they're like, yeah, he's Obama. He's great. And I'm like, okay, now right. picture your worst enemy having the same power. That's what it yes. is. And the, every, and they got it too. <laughs> oh, yeah, They got Trump. And it's like, so every power you gave up, the next guy will get the same power. So picture like, yeah. that's why I, I, I loathe some of the stuff I see on the internet. But like, if I say that they're not allowed to say it, um, that only hurts myself. Like you have to be able to defend everybody or else it will come at you eventually. I was kind of hopeful that it was like a technological problem. Like, well, these online platforms are so big. They can't actually make all the decisions and these AIs are doing it and they're just keep getting it wrong because the wrong terms are flagged and the algorithms aren't smart enough yet. But I've kind of lost that hope. Yeah. That when that Jack came on. right out and said, like, I'm going to start making some decisions. Yeah. Man. <laughs> it's like, yeah, he did. So it's decision making that's saying we just don't like that, and that's that. You know, if there's plenty, you could rally a tons of people that don't like what we have to say. I mean, how many signatures do they need? You know, right? And it's also it's like uh, the the absolute power corrupts absolutely thing. It's like once once you really see the eyes of narcissism, they would look at you and be like, "I can play guitar better than you." Mm -hmm. It's like what you know, you people just start thinking that they know more than everybody, and that other people's life experience and expertise. 
Oh, it doesn't matter. Like, look at uh, Jordan Peterson has 20,000 hours of helping people's mental problems. And that, like, some leftist on a show will just be like, you're an idiot. You know, and you're like, what? You were on one, you were on like a canceled CW show. Like, what what gives you this this entitlement (laughs) to talk that way about someone like that, you know? Do you... uh care how you sound or what you look like do you think your your voice is important for example like saying stuff like it, it immediately does set people off if you would say obama comes for the guns like that's it, like a lot of people would say that's the system or that's you know the organization or whatever do you care how you sound or and no is, i just what, what's the value of your voice yeah yeah because that never pans out it's like um if people like seek social approval over their own ethics or principles, it, it, it it's like sugar versus protein. It'll last for like 10 minutes. It'll like get you through a door of a club. But like, then what? Like that, mm-hmm. it, it's like, there, there's something really special about when someone can track your thoughts and you see when your thoughts grew or changed a little based on like what you read or real information. But if you're always just trying to suck up to the power, you're, you're basically a zombie. It literally is like right out of world war Z. You're just like, you're, you're, you're the empowerment, like, like some force is controlling you because you're just a slave. You're, you're like Gollum trying to get the ring. And that's why all these, um, th- these, uh, really archetypal, uh, movies and books like the CS Lewis and Tolkien and all this stuff. It always has a Gollum character where anything to get that ring and they're the slave. They're this like, ah, oh, you know, mm-hmm. what do you want me to say this week? My master, yeah. and I will never do that. And yeah, Obama did have an issue with guns. He was trying to get rid of guns and they're still trying to get rid of guns. And the, and the second amendment is what protects the first amendment. And if they really mm-hmm. cared about life, they get rid of like corn syrup or stairs. It's like, they don't care about like less than 300 people die a year from AR-15s. It's like more people die tweeting about them. <laughs> you know, it's just so stupid. Well, how do you deal with walking the line as hard as you do and being so out there that uh, or free, which is a, which is a thing to look up to in a way. But how do you deal with when you do say something that you change your mind on, or were wrong about, or wish you hadn't said? Because apologizing, you know what I mean. Like there's yeah, this whole yeah. thing where apologizing is a bad idea. But how then? How can you deal with stuff that you've said that you probably shouldn't have? Just as genuine as possible. Like if I am wrong about something, I just say I was wrong, and that's it. Like uh, I, I I don't apologize to a mob. That's just one right. of my rules. If a mob's coming at you, never apologize to a mob because they smell weakness and they just take more. But I, if my opinions on something change, I won't like like flip flopping could just as easily be called mental growth. <laughs> right. You know? Exactly. Yeah. That's fine to change your views and stuff. Of course. Like I was a socialist like- for like ten years, probably. I thought that that was the way to help poor people, and it mm-hmm. absolutely makes them poor it's like these vote plantations that's like the whole point of them and like once i started reading thomas soul and and uh mises and all these guys it's like like the like real real hardcore economists especially soul because he's black from harlem and he's 86 and mm-hmm. he's he doesn't like back in the day i would be one of those guys that was like oh a white guy told me we need big business like i was that guy and there's certain people that like they get through that matrix like and, and you're like wow this really is true like free market does lower the cost of everything and increase the wealth of the whole population. Like that's a fact. Does thinking yeah, about all I'm this inform sure. or take uh, distract you from your comedy career? Oh, well, this is all just this is like under the iceberg, and then the jokes are the iceberg. Like I'll do jokes that I've done like whole sets, and afterwards, people on the right and people on the left, without knowing it, have been like, "It's good to have one of our own." 
<laughs> and they have no idea what I am because most people are into freedom. They just get in sucked into these weird political things. And uh, yeah. so it helps my comedy a lot, like a lot. But uh, yeah. So you get actually fueled from reading books and studying history. And you have, you, I mean, you've been, you're a, what, you study history, stuff yeah, like that? Like, what's your best? I was authoritarian yeah. history major. And my parents are yeah. both college professors. It's like, yeah. My whole life has just been learning a lot of this stuff. And like, here's like, like, uh, all right, like no one's ever climbed through barbed wire to get away from the free market into a socialist country. Mm-hmm. Like Cuba, like 60,000 people drowned trying to get to America for a reason. That's why we don't have anyone from Venezuela coming to our country right now, even though their economy has been destroyed. 85% live in abject poverty. It's because they have a story to tell that goes against what old Bernard Sanders has to say. And that's a fact, you know, no one has ever shown me people trying to crawl through barbed wire to get away from a free market economy. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So just an immaturity thing, really. It's like you're, you just want what you want to where you, and you just don't see that you're sacrificing a principle or freedom to get it. You just not, you don't, you can't see that. It's just a deeper thought. You have to hold too much, you know, intention or hold too many concepts at the same time in order to see it. And it's just lazy or, or immature. Yeah. And, and your kids, it's like going into all this debt for all this free stuff. If I didn't have kids, I probably never would have looked in my son's eyes and, and said, well, you're going to have to pay for it. Cause daddy wants more stuff. That's like that's a that's a tough position to be in, and uh, and man, I want I, I want the government to spend less. Beyond you know, I'm not pro war. I'm pro valid war, but I'm not. I think that that's a form of authoritarianism too. This uh, expanding military industrial complex. There's like there's no reason to be in certain countries spending all this money on my kids' dime. Yeah. Do you think you'll be able to do this career with the changes and everything going forward? Is this something? You know, you think you'll be able to be an entertainer? Oh yeah, in, even more. In the retirement, like I'm selling out bigger theaters than I've ever sold out right now. Well, I mean, even when you're 60, though, what what is somebody in comedy in a general I mean, way? Like I'm dead comedy, com- <laughs> there you go. Dude, I'm six foot seven, man. You'll never see people yeah. hide in in uh, old folks' homes. That's kind of <laughs> sad. I'm six four almost. Well, you still. You how, can wh- live. When am I gonna die? Um, oh, I can. Live. You see, six four people in old folks' homes. Six four. You get. You can get there. Six seven's great okay. Dane stuff, though. We die. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Too much blood. It, it, it exhausts the heart to pump all the way down to my feet and then all the way up to my head. Mm-hmm. That's true. <laughs> and last question I have for you. Do you hope to change people's minds or do you revel in just like a big fuck you to these people? Well, they, fuck you. Fuck you. With? I, I don't care about changing people's minds. At all? No. I just, I, I care about doing my job well. And if I was like a cop or a surgeon, I wouldn't say the shit I say. My whole job is like what you're talking about with punk rock. It's like, we are supposed to be rebellious. We are supposed to be right. free thinkers. That's literally our job. It's like it, it, just as much as of a firefighter putting out a fire. And if everybody's thinking one way, you got to be the one fish that's like, what about that way? And as yeah, soon as I right. stop doing that, I'm no longer a comedian and I might as well quit anyway. Right on. Well, that's a pretty pretty well put together philosophy, and we appreciate your thoughts on it. So yeah. this is a good hang. This is yeah, a great hang, man. On, man. Yeah, we should hang when we're up in Washington. You love the family. They're good people. Yeah, let me and know. And I got the let flu right now in case I look a little crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I rallied for this. That's why I was a little late on it. I passed out again like right after a bath. I was oh, damn, like, well, well, we appreciate well, we appreciate it. you Thanks making lot, the time. Man. I love it. <laughs> All Thanks, right, well, man. hopefully we'll talk to you again soon. All right, later, guys. All right, see you, Owen.
Right on. All right. Good work, Toby. Thanks for getting Owen for the podcast. I don't think it, hopefully it's not any real liability for us. I was the whole time I was resisting the urge and I'm, I'll just say it now to explain it, but I'm thinking, oh, is he going to get us in trouble? Like, it wasn't like I'm worried about getting in trouble or anything or what he's connected to or anything like that. But I was just like, I was doing the, I was wanting to say, I was wanting to fit it in there. I could feel the impulse of saying, now I don't agree with everything you say, but, yeah. but I know how many people would do that to us. I said, no matter what, right. I'm not going to, I was doing, I'm not going to disclaim thing, right? that I don't agree with everything he says right. because why would I do that? I don't need to do well, that. So no disclaimer. I was thinking the exact okay. same thing is, wait a minute, we had Owen Benjamin on here and <laughs> what do people need to know about what I disagree with him? Exactly. Why wouldn't I let him explain who I try to do that? We do a bad job sometimes. Sometimes yep. I feel strongly yep. about something that somebody's saying, but I, one of the goals of this podcast is whether you like Owen Benjamin or not, no matter what, damn, I'm glad we are able to give somebody a voice. Like I, I mean, I you might hate him and disagree. Well, there are people unbelievably eat you up for so saying that the white men, no, successful people, are who no, needs a voice. I, I, anybody? <laughs> no, no, no. That's what I'm saying. You know how many people? Uh, and I'll be real honest here. You know how many people I've emailed and texted and Facebooked to come on here mm-hmm. and give their point of view, and they will not. They won't. They, I, I have tried so many. Uh, uh, genders and races and politics and well, everything. How many genders have you tried to book? All of them. <laughs> how many different genders All have you them? tried to book? Uh, okay. there, I don't know if there is a number of genders at this point, but I will. Anybody's welcome. I, I mean, that's what I'm saying. I want everybody to come on, and it's okay to totally disagree or agree with some of it or whatever. Like I think one of the points that he said that I really do, uh, I resonate with it, brothers. Uh, is I think we're all way more alike than we think. I think I, I think course, there is yeah. something no a little about. rotten about people saying these. Like when when it there there is a disrespect of intellect. I believe uh, from uh, white people to minorities for sure, and saying oh they're oppressed and and they need this, and I'm the white person that'll do it. I hate that feeling. Now I think it's in oftentimes I think it is with good intent. I think there is real yep. racism and oppression and and uh, real dangerous vibes out there. But to imply that a minority person might not be uh, strong enough on their own to handle some of it, everybody needs help. I do too. But I just I don't I don't like that. And to silence voices that you disagree with, uh, especially in the comedy world, I think he's right. I think comedies are maybe the the front, uh, the and the last front we have of real free speech to push ideas and be uncomfortable. You should be uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. What in, the, what in the hell? If you agree with everything on the left or everything on the right, there's something wrong. The same way in church. A lot of the stuff he's saying, I just kept going, shit, this feels like what I felt like when I felt oppressed within the church. A, a lot of yeah. that, I really yeah, did yeah. feel that religion yeah. thing of, this is the way it is, Toby, and if you don't follow it, you are real bad. And you're going That's to hell. exactly the way I'm reacted to it. I grew up around the very restrictive culture of the right and the conservative, and I I've always just was like, God, Dang it. Right. You know, I don't, this is not, you know, I felt like, you know, everybody's trying to make you control what you do. Right. And other people are buying it. Like my friends that grew up in the ultra conservative churches, I, I felt way more freer with the way I was raised. And I really appreciate that. And watching other people feel like they had to do toe the line or the agenda of what would have been just the I don't know, conservative church. I mean, right. well-intentioned people. Absolutely. And now there's a, now this is, I thought we were all out of that. And we've moved it, and I moved to Seattle, and we've been out in the world, and I'm an adult, and I'm a grown-up, and now I feel a mounting amount of other people, again, trying to figure out how to tell you what to do and what to say and what's definitely right or wrong before you can even understand what they're talking about. Yeah. 
that's not that's just not right. That's always worth resisting. Oh, one hundred percent. And I, I mean, I, that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't agree with everything he said. I'm so glad. Funny dude. I like that he does music and all that stuff. And I, I, I like that he's pushing boundaries. And that's okay. I want people like uh, it, no matter what they believe to push my boundaries. And I go, wait, Oh, now I'm, I can understand. So I, I felt the same way. Cause like, I don't, I don't adhere to it's us against them. I don't, I, I would rather I'm more, uh, everybody's closer together. And I don't, I don't, I'd rather like, I, I liked Obama. I, I think it is, you know, whoever wants to take guns, they, for some reason, probably do have a reason to want to, and I don't know what that is. Some reason, I, and, who, who knows? But I'm saying I'm, I'm, yes, yeah. There's got to be knows some motives. Who could guess? Got to be some reason they want to get rid of guns. I but I, I'm just I saying, like, it, I'm, I'm, I'm more in the middle. But I'm on both sides, okay with hearing it and then uh, helping. You know, being a part of real change. Well, I, I was, think, I, I was definitely pretty deeply entrenched in the middle. But after having a 30 minute interview with this guy, I'm totally 100 percent with him i've just done a complete switch um just oh from what uh what were you before I'm just exactly like that guy everything he said you, <laughs> who is that no. guy what, who are you talking about what was his name oh that guy owen, Joey you know owen <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah joey what, what did you think about like i, I mean I've always i always actually that, thought oh it, I, I know the guy's name owen benjamin but um, I had to Google it real quick. Just kidding. Yep. But basically, no, I, I, it's funny because I knew very little about this guy, uh, almost nothing other than he was super controversial. And so it was kind of neat. Like I was seriously just, uh, I, I was kind of quiet um, for most of it, except for at the beginning, because I, I really didn't know what to talk about outside of comedy and was really just soaking it all in. But I just love the guy's personality. I mean, it, it, that, and, and, I think that's what's so crazy too is how we demonize like how the Republicans demonize Bill Clinton and you know you'd probably have fun hanging out with him cuz he's just a a cool guy you know and how Democrats did the same thing to George Bush yeah probably a pretty fun guy to hang out with but yeah I I definitely lean more towards a lot of what he says as far as limited government, and I definitely know that that's influenced by my brother, my dad, my Southern Republican state that yeah. I was brought up in. But I'm, I'm, I would say I'm a pretty conservative government sort of guy. So yeah, a lot of what he yep. said de- definitely resonates. I think more and more. Well, I enjoyed it very much, and you know, I've been listening to him a little bit and following the whole thing pretty well, and heard him on a bunch of other podcasts. And I I like that. I like his material, and I think his thinking is clear. And I am attracted to somebody who's willing to be brave enough to push boundaries more than I am, and that still goes a long way before you talk about endorsing what somebody says. That's neither here nor there, and I'll resist it. But I will say that. Uh, we talked about before other stuff that we support. I don't have. I'm not a patron of Owen Benjamin's, but I will. Should anybody want to be, let me take this opportunity to promote his thing instead of the BC Club, his website that he does everything out of and does himself because he might get kicked off of Patreon and already has been kicked off of Twitter for saying nonsense like and he YouTube. said today. <laughs> that you can get that, whatever, a little bit farther than what he's saying today got him removed from these platforms. Right. A little bit scary. But uh, if that's, if you're into that and you want to support him, that's hugepianist.com. Like pianist, he's a pianist. HugePenis.com. And so you could support that there. And I do think that is that's what it's going to take. I think it's going to take people supporting things directly. And 
you know, the middleman. We talk about the gatekeepers in media and the middleman yeah. record label execs and the big big wigs. Well, that's true in government too. It's just how many people have to be in between stuff telling people how it ought to be and taking money in the meantime. So, look, we don't know what the future is of, of media, but if the right people support the right things that they all like together, that is at least one of the best candidates for the best path forward. So I recommend people get in the habit, support the podcast you like, support Benjamin, support whatever it is yeah. you like. If you like Joel Osteen, I mean, I don't, and he doesn't give need to any his help church. He's, he's already, give to his he's already figured campaign. out how, how, how to do that. But think <laughs> about that with stuff that up beyond the church, you know, you could, you should support things. Yeah. And, you know, of course our club is called the BC club, but I can you give know, you, you my, know about that. It, it, I can give you my PayPal address too. If you want to just support Joey, that's fine as well. That's true. But these folks went to the BC club.com, uh, Sherry, Lime, Gruber, Lon, Allen, Cheryl, McGrath, Benjamin, Tristan, Shaw, Darren, and Megan Aki or Aki, one or the other. Rucker Sasser. Wow, that's a cool name. Rucker Sasser. Hey, what's your name? Rucker Sasser. Uh, Jonathan K. Vieckman and yeah. Vanessa Glover. And then, um, so all those folks. And then the last one is uh, Jack Mihoff. Oh, come on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, hey, there, there's a guy I want to do also, like like Joey did, that I wanted to tell y'all about supporting, and it's me. I'm doing True Man events May <laughs> 11th, 12th, and 13th, Little Rock, uh, Memphis, and St. Louis. And we're doing a song rescue show on the 17th up in Chicago. Uh, Devin and I are working on music. So I got a lot going on right in the middle of May mm-hmm. for sure. And I'm working on that uh, very good Emory record uh, recording. Yes, the vocals yes. and the lyrics and the music are just, I mean, this is going to be a good one. You got you left out all you left out those people's uh, sins, Toby. When he read that list, uh, I've been enjoying that lately. Yep. Maybe this is a batch when I got it. All those people met at the same orgy. Oh uh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's that, what it was. So that's the, that, yep. That's theirs. Yeah. Okay. Um. But yeah, we got Emory tour dates too. I'll try and fit that in at the top of the show somewhere. Tight. But Emory tour dates on the West Coast See in you. June. Check them out. EmoryMusic.com. See you. See you.